hey you little girl you should look good to me please don't hi guys <laughs> i'm gonna put that in okay great Hi everyone and welcome to the Elvis Right Now podcast with Mary and Maggie. Get a drink, get comfy and let's go. So today we're going to be talking with John Daly of the EP Boulevard Pawn Shop on Instagram. You guys know we rave about him all the time. He's amazing. So, so full of knowledge. His life is devoted to working for Elvis and honoring Elvis. And that's really apparent when he speaks about how much he loves him. So I think you guys are really going to like this episode. This is a lot like a, just like a friendly chat just between the three of us. We were just going off about what we love about Elvis, you know, different stories, things like that. It, it always warms my heart to be able to think of all these amazing things that Elvis did that sometimes like we talk about in this episode, go unnoticed and are kind of underrated we hope you guys enjoy the episode and let's just get right into it hey uh my coffee right here let's go so real quick okay so since y'all are gonna have me on as a first guest maggie do you you have one of these i don't okay well you have now really and maggie's gonna cry harry do you have one of these no all right you have now then that's what happens when you uh have me on as a guest Oh, I'm actually going to cry, though, for real. It's just original Elvis on tour photos. It's just the 71 menu. No, that menu heard Elvis saying, I have to go. Mm, I've got mine still up there. What, your menu? Yeah, it's right there. I was like, Dad, you can keep this in your office upstairs. Like, it's for you. It's for you. I was like, it's mine. (laughs) So nice. Love it. Oh, yeah. That was my very first menu. It's mine now. They call it the gold curtain menu. John, as we all know, and if you don't know, you're going to learn today. He's the king of all of it. So I think he should let us know some tips and tricks if you want to get into, you know, collecting. But I think that would be fun to talk about because I'm interested in that. Okay. So there's a lot. There's a lot. So if you get a price guide and kind of read through it. That's the best way to do that. It sounds stressful. Have you ever cried on the job? <laughs> no, I mean, it, 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 it gets, I, I'm in a, a little bit of a different uh, scenario than, than most because I deal with this stuff every day. To me, like, I know what they're supposed to look like because I've seen them so much. Like, I've, I've gone through so many records, like, I know what to look for. Um, and then if something sticks out and it's different, then I'm kind of like, oh, this is different. So I don't know. It's like, I've done it so much that the things stand out to me. But to familiarize yourself, the best way to do it would be to get kind of the price guide and, and uh, you know, just kind of go Experience. out. And, yeah. If you're going to do it um, and you're going to pay good money for it, you just have to make sure that you're doing exactly what you have. And remember, even if it's a super rare record, if the condition is not there, always take that into consideration. Right. That's a good tip. Yeah. Hit up John at where... John, say your details. Plug yourself right now. Well, I'm based here in Memphis, so everything ships, you know, directly from here. And uh, so email is the Elvis Pawn Shop at gmail.com. The gift shop number is 901-949-1977. And then uh, the website is uh, EP Boulevard 
pawnshop.com. Okay, we'll link it all below. I'll link you in. I'm always glad to help people out if they have questions on memorabilia or if they're trying to get into collecting certain things because there have been uh, reissues, there have been reproductions made of certain things. So, you know, you have to be careful on some things. Other things are, you know, you're, you're pretty much good to go. But, um, you know, if anyone ever has any questions on memorabilia or, you know, if they're going to buy something, want to run it by me, I'll be glad to help out. Like we said in the first episode, John, like at least for us, I feel like is the go-to Elvis, like the book of Elvis knowledge. Like he knows anything you would want to know. And so we're definitely going to have him back on the show to talk about some other topics because he's like, I don't want to. (laughs) He's like, no, I'm good. I hated it. Hey guys, Maggie and I really hope y'all are enjoying this episode in our chat with John so far. We wanted to take the time during this break to give a huge thank you to Ator Crespo for his willingness to make and record the music you are hearing throughout our show. He is not only a great guy, but beyond talented, and we are so grateful to him. You can find him on Instagram at Ator underscore TCB and on Facebook at Ator Crespo. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay, we've heard the story, but I feel like you should tell the story of the superhero Elvis moment where you first discovered your love for Elvis. Yeah. So that was really, I was very young. I was like probably five or six years old, and I was with my family in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we go into, I was big into superheroes, you know, being at that age. And so we go into a wax museum. And there's Elvis Aloha from Hawaii in there. And I just, you know, like I asked my parents, like, which superhero is he? Like, he's got a cape and he's got like a big belt. Like, you know, he's got all these gems and rhinestones on and everything. And so they were like, no, he was actually a real person. And ironically enough, about two weeks later, getting back from vacation, uh, PBS ran the Aloha from Hawaii on television. And I caught it at the very beginning. And just remember piecing, like, that's the guy that I saw in the Wax Museum. And so I watched the entire Aloha from Hawaii, like at age five or six, uh, start to finish. And then when he threw his cape into the crowd at the very end, I was like, he is a rock star. He's a superstar. Like, he's just the greatest thing ever. And uh, amazing. Uh, luckily, I got to go to Graceland um, when I was seven years old. So like two years later, I was at Graceland as a kid. That's so cool because you were there like in the OG days where it would have been like scandalous. I don't think they were up to the security. You got to touch things, I bet. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy. I, I, I think back, I remember bits and pieces of it. Um, I just remember like standing on the front steps and the columns seemed to be like five miles high. Uh, and I've got some pictures uh, from that day. I mean, it literally just rocked my world to be at Graceland at that at that young age uh and unfortunately I didn't get to go back until the the you know the 90s and so uh it took me a long time to get back and then once I got back I started hitting up Elvis Weeks and I got hooked I was off to the races at at that point that's destiny though that it I can't believe like the Aloha special played like the week after or whatever that you saw him for the first time. That's so cool. The universe is crazy, guys. If you're an Elvis fan, like somehow your story, like hearing everyone's story, it was meant to be in some way. Like you found him in a special way and he sticks with you in a special way if you're like that type of Elvis fan. And I've got, 
you know, my personal collection, I have tickets to the show. They're displayed and I've got, um, like the, the binder that belonged to, um, Joe Gershio for the production of the show with all his liner notes and the songs and everything. So I have this big binder. So I actually have things that were at the Aloha show and it's like, you know, I'm like, wow, like this is, this is what started it for me. Luckily, you know, Elvis did the Aloha from Hawaii show. You should get the wax model. <laughs> Wait. That's Could not you? a bad idea. You should do it. Yeah, no, the, Alo- the Aloha was uh, very special uh, to me. And then um, I just remember um, after that, I went went to the library. You know, my parents took me to the library, and I was like, all right, let me see what I can find. And they had one Elvis movie, and it was Which- Girl Happy. <laughs> I love that one. I remember, like, watching him, like, drive the boat and park it in the pool, and I'm like, all right, this guy's really, really cool. He wears capes and he parks boats and pools. Like, this is like the greatest guy ever. Like, I really like this guy. Oh, that's so funny. I love Girl Happy. What a great movie for the library to have for you. I know that's so cool. I mean, it was it was uh, it was tough getting Elvis's uh, movies. Luckily, you know, there was a video place originally. I'm from Ohio, and they had. Uh, I I finally found the place that had multiple films. But it, it was it was hard going to get the, the, the movies. Uh, it happened at the World's Fair at that time was literally like the hardest film that you could find for him. I still don't have that to this day. I have it yeah. on the TV. I don't have it on DVD. On, on VHS, it was really, really hard to get. That's it. Um, and I remember getting a, uh, like a catalog uh, in like middle school. And it was like you could order Elvis on tour. And that's the way it is. And so I ordered it. It came in. It was on VHS. No VCR. So you go to your neighbor's house, right? And say, can I watch this on your VCR? And so I put in, you know, Elvis on tour, right? And I'm like, all right. So I've seen the Aloha. I've seen his capes. I've seen him park uh, boats in in the pool, right? All right, let's see what this is going to be. I stick it in and I just remember, he's like, I never saw a guitar player that was worth a damn. I'm like, and he cusses. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and then and then I'm seeing him in a blue, the blue cape. And I'm like, this guy just, he never stops. Like he just, he had a white cape with an eagle. Now he's got this blue cape. I was like, you know, wow. Like I, I just thought, and I still think he is just like the coolest guy there ever was. Like he just, he just, just, uh, he was just so awesome. You know, I will say, like, when I when I first started collecting Elvis and trying to find Elvis, I will just say this. The struggle was real. It wasn't like, oh, let me order this movie and get it delivered Amazon Prime. No, no, that did not exist. Like, the, the, the record that held out on me forever was uh, the full album because I wanted to hear um, Love Me, Love the Life I Lead. Like, that was not on anything I had. John wasn't allowed to like Google the song and listen to it on demand. No, I could not find the full record. That's crazy how you knew that song existed but couldn't access it. I'd go crazy. Well, I had the book Elvis's Life from A to Z, and I, I carried it around so much it actually ended up in like four pieces. It was literally like falling apart when I got done with it. So I knew what was out there, but I just never knew like where do you find this? Um, a, a, funny story when i was looking for the full album love me love the life i lead and there's a, the other one that's on there um where do i go from here i was looking for those i got so frustrated i remember i called rca in new york no you didn't yeah i did 
John so extra. Right. I talked to them, and of course they were no help. And that was like in middle school, right? So then, like the phone bill comes, and my dad comes in my room and was like, "Did you call New York City?" I'm like, "No." And he's like, "Who? What's this RCA from New York?" And I'm like, "Oh, I did call them." Why would you call her? I'm like, I was looking for an Elvis song. Iconic, John. Going to great lengths. Lost my lost my allowance money that week. <laughs> Pay for my $5 phone call. That did nothing. That did nothing. Yeah, thanks, RCA. That was no help. But I finally found the record. I found it at an antique store. Love Me, Love the Life I Lead was like literally one of the last holdout songs from Elvis's career that I could not get my hands on. Amazing. Yeah, the full album is, you know, I, I see it now, but back then, I didn't see it. That wasn't a big, that was not a big seller for Elvis. That was probably, of all of his 70s records, probably one of the least best performing, like, that just didn't do anything. What would you say is the, like, most underrated Elvis moment? That's a hard one. For For him? For Elvis? Yeah, like, what? not a lot of people know about maybe he doesn't get recognition for like a little maybe a song maybe an album maybe an outfit i don't mind um i think it's pretty cool that he had such an uh an ear he was one of the i I believe he's actually the first person to cover uh neil diamond's sweet caroline yes absolutely i love it iconic song now but it was brand new when he did it um you know he covered like poke salad annie he covered Bridge Over Troubled Waters. He covered Frank Sinatra's My Way. Um, I think that's what's really cool about him. He was not afraid to hear a song and like a song and be like, I'm going to do that song. He didn't care who did it. Like, Bridge Over Troubled Water was like a Grammy Award winning song. And he's like, it's a great song. I'm going to do it. Yeah, he wasn't thinking about like, oh, I'm not going to do it as good. He's like, I'm going to do it, period. Like, had the guts to just put himself out there even when like he already was so big he was like never above any certain place any person like so humble i think that's what he doesn't get recognized for like being so and charitable a lot of people don't instantly think charitable and i always think i always go to like the aloha concert being for the cancer fund and like all of that stuff which i love well pearl harbor was probably his biggest charitable work what year was that sorry 61 Okay, he did. Uh, he did the benefit in '61 at Block Arena, which helped raise the additional funds to have the uh, Pearl Harbor Memorial built. See, he's so like he goes above and beyond like anyone even would, especially at the time. Like nowadays, it's sort of expected, I suppose, of like people in the limelight to be charitable and stuff. But like, I just can't imagine anyone being more like humble and still huge even taking the time to see like denise that story of the little girl with cancer like taking the time before the show to talk with her and sign her things and stopping with fans and talk like giving them kisses like can you name one performer today that kisses every single girl in the front row because they know how much they love him like that's something people just really wouldn't know unless they took the time to really research elvis's life and like his charitable works so i feel like Maggie, what you're saying is it goes like really underrated, which is sad, but people just don't really take the time to figure stuff like that out. Most of the shows now are, they have a set list 
and they don't stray from the set list. And there's very little interaction with the audience with the shows now. Mm-hmm. Most of them, like most of the big artists would come out and would do a particular song. They don't really interact with the audience. My my friend Sandy Pichon, she wrote the book Raised on Elvis, which is probably, in my opinion, one of the most down-to-earth books ever written about Elvis from a fan's perspective. And she said, literally, like, we would go to the concerts. We would camp out weeks in advance to, you know, get tickets and everything um, because we knew that he would interact with us. And, you know, you could get a scarf. You could get a kiss. And, and, and they would do things to get his attention. Um, you know, they would take um, they would take things up and put Christmas trees on the stage. They would throw up a puppet. They would throw up a, a pillow. Uh, they would just, you know, uh, Nancy Cunningham from St. Louis got him these big green glasses. So they would literally take things to the show to get his attention for him to stop and have an interaction with him. I love that because for him, for him even to give them the time of day, like nowadays you wouldn't be allowed in a concert with anything. Like, I don't think, not in his example, but I'm going to call her out. Madonna doesn't let people record any like phones aren't allowed in obviously Elvis wasn't around when phones were but like think of the security now it's not a thing like Elvis had police officers ready but he would just let people on stage hello when he jumps into the audience and that's the way it is he knowing he's gonna get ripped to shreds and he doesn't care he gives himself every time to them like I just cannot fathom it at all one of my favorite things to think about is like if anybody showed up at a performer's house today, literally the cops would be called and like they would tweet like, please don't like disrespect my privacy. Don't ever show up at my house again. People stood outside of Elvis's house day after day and he would come out and he would sign their autographs and talk with them and give them kisses, hug them, hold their babies. Like he took the time to see his fans because he knew how much they loved him and he loved them back. Yeah, I swear there's those those couple of fans who were regulars outside his house, and then when they stopped coming, he literally called them and were like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? He literally was like, wait, you didn't show up at my house tonight. Like, what's going on? Where are you? Well, he, he would, sometimes he would invite them even over to, like, the Memphian. I love so, that. You know, like, he would be going to the Memphian to see a movie and things, and he would be like, yeah, the, you know, to tell the people down at the gates we're going to the Memphian tonight, he would allow them in. So, I mean, it's like, he for being as big as he was he always respected the the fact of people were his fans i i don't think he i i I don't he left tupelo but i don't think tupelo ever left him i was gonna say like he never forgot his roots and he was always grateful to the people who got him where he wanted to go or where he did end up yeah he always gave credit too whenever the idea crops up that he was like a thief or whatever like stuff like that I never pandered to it because he always gave credit where it was due. He always referenced his inspirations, his roots, everything. In the comeback special, references he gives to, like, black music. And he's like, well, they started it all. Like, it's not me. I'm just, you know, I'm just here as an entertainer. He never oversteps anything. He always just knows his place, if that makes sense. It's so, he's just crazy to me that he ever existed. Well, um, so he, when he was working on the 68 comeback, uh, he called Rufus Thomas and said, Rufus, I'm doing the TV special. I need some Memphis in it. And he said, what song would you suggest? And Rufus Thomas said, Tiger Man. Well, of course, that was Rufus's song on Sun. 
And so that's how uh, that's how um, Tiger Man got into the 68 comeback because he called Rufus Thomas and said, I want some Memphis in the show. That's the most iconic song from it also, I feel like. When he's just sat there jamming, that's the beauty of the comeback special. It's just so impromptu. Oh my God, Steve, no, girl. Oh, Steve Binder. I knew it was him. Why didn't I? Steve Binder, who literally told him like, no, I want it to be a rehearsal. Like, it's going to be what you do just on a stage and with a camera in front of you, please. It's the most authentic, iconic thing ever. Yeah. It was literally it's, Elvis unplugged. When he, oh, when he interacts with that tiny, intimate audience, he like lets them literally touch him, love on him. He sits down with them and literally sings memories. And that woman just like, wow, he sat next to me. No one does that. No one sits next to the audience and literally just has a conversation with them. Wow. He was definitely a very unique individual and very unique uh, performer for that. He was crazy. I think because he did that, I think the fans responded to that. I'd be that person who screams Elvis like in the middle of the song. Oh my God, that girl in That's the Way It Is. I love you! No, that's me. Like the girl in That's the Way It Is when she starts sobbing and he's like, oh, what's the matter, baby? And she's like, I love you so much. That's me. I love the woman in the comeback special who's like, he's got his leg right in front of me, just like a lunge to her. My my favorite is actually audio where it's from College Park, Maryland in 74. And I don't know what was given to him, but he, he goes, who who gave me this? No, who gave me this? Like, he's like, he's trying to like, you know, who, who, he like asked it like two or three, who gave me this? And then somebody's like, like, it was me. And then he goes, run, run down here. Run like a son of a bitch. Yeah, like he's like, get down here. And then he, the, the, in College Park, he tells this one girl, he goes, I am going to plant a kiss on you. No! He gives someone something. A scarf. He gives her a scarf. And she like walks away and he's like, no, those ain't free. And he gives her a kiss and it's like, wow. He just gives them everything everything he could possibly give he's like you want my money you want to you want my jewelry you want my stuff you want my money you want to kiss like have everything have my house sandy pichon had several guitar picks from elvis every piece of jewelry he owned you google it it's like he actually gave this to a random stranger on the street sorry i was like yeah it's yeah. so crazy i would die on the spot if he ever even like ever addressed me in any way or looked in my direction i would lose my mind all the stories of Elvis being generous, like the most iconic, I think, is them. Oh, he bought people Cadillacs. That's all well and good. Like, buy me a car. I would just like him to punch me in the face. Like, genuinely. <laughs> push me out of the way, please. Say, ooh, not for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be the guy who gets rejected. He's like, hello, sir. And then doesn't kiss him, obviously. He's like, ooh, maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Like, no, I love him. It's that yeah. lady. And and that's the way it is. That lady, and that's the way it is, where uh, he's, like, right at the end of Can't Fall no in more. Love or something, no something like that. And she's, like, waiting for a kiss. She's waiting. She's waiting. And then at the end, she's, he backs up. He's like, oh, sorry. That was, I would be devastated. Imagine waiting the whole show to get a kiss, and you're the last one there. The whole audience, every man and every woman got a kiss in that whole concert. And you're the only one there. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'm all kissed out. What? I don't have the time. I have to go throw my cape off. I've actually got a cold sore, so I'm saving your life. Please, leave. Well, he, he used to give fair warning to people, you know? He'd say, oh. like, you know, I, I kissed someone last night and I caught a case of the creeping crud. So I've got it and you're going to have it, you know? Give I me thought, your disease. Give me your disease yeah. right now. He's like, I've got jungle raw. I'm like, oh! <laughs> there's uh, there's one show where uh, he, he asked, he goes, how old are you? And she's, she was like 15. 
And he gives her a kiss, and everybody starts applauding, and he goes, she's got to start somewhere. My first kiss was Elvis Presley. No big deal. Yeah, so I went to this random Elvis show, and he gave but me a kiss. Yeah, it was like my first one. Imagine telling your like, grandkids, like, Nan, who did you pucker up for for the first time? And they're like, she's like Elvis Presley. How about you, Timmy from your art class? Shut up. <laughs> I don't know who she is, but I want to be her. I really was... I just missed out, you know? I'm sad. My dad was seven when Elvis died, and he, like, remembers his dad, like, hating Elvis. Like, not hating Elvis, but being like, oh, no, it's too much for me. Yeah. Uh, and my dad's mom was, like, very Catholic, very, like, oh, no, but she was, like, on the sly liking Elvis. So my granddad didn't let it on in the house. He was like, no, I'm not doing this. Frank Sinatra only. And she was like, oh, my God, why? My, uh, my parents met in July of 77. Oh, in August of 77, he's gone. And it's like, thanks. Appreciate it. You know, my mom said that her parents didn't like him either. And one time they were road tripping and they drove through Tennessee and they drove past Graceland. And my mom was begging. She was like, please let me just get out and like stand at the gate. See if he's going to come out because there was people outside the gate. She's like, please let me get out and stand and see if he'll come to me. And they wouldn't let her get out of the car. They were like, no. We're not doing it. And I was like, oh, I would jump out. I would jump out of the car. So, you know, being in Memphis, I'm I'm around where he was all the time. And so the other day I was getting on the highway and somebody had like this three-wheel bike, trike-looking thing, right? It was actually pretty cool looking. And so, like, he, he comes and, like, zips by and I'm driving and I'm looking and I'm like, I totally would die if that would have been, like, a Stutz. Or Elvis on his motorcycle, or his, you know, he had those trikes, those three-wheel trikes from Supercycle, driving around Memphis and being like, oh, there's Elvis. Because if you lived, obviously, near him, you would see him, like, around. I love the photo, not the photo shoot, but the photo, like, I think it's a photographer, obviously. Um, not a photographer, who do I mean? A paparazzi. Um, and it's, like, him in his literal pajamas with a girl, like, wrapping her arms around his wife, and he's just like, I'm out and about. That's on Parkway and Elvis Presley. What's he doing? Is he just for a drive? Is he getting some coffee? What's he doing? Yeah. He uh, he went out to Vickers in October of 76 uh, and met up with some uh, a friend of mine uh, and was getting gas and was, you know, and he, he's, there's there's pictures on there. If you, if you Google Elvis Vickers gas station, it'll come up. And so he's got like his black leather jacket. He's got the police Shelby County badge on. He had two pistols tucked in his in his uh, in his waist. And so he he he's there and he says like, "You guys want to see my pistols?" And they're like, "Sure." And my friend says, "My friend, my friend knew him." And she goes, "What are you gonna do if one of those goes off?" And he goes, "I'll just be singing an octave higher." Oh, wait his a minute. Imagine anyone else saying to you at a gas station, do you want to see my pistols? I'd be shocked. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was Vickers. And then, um, yeah, she covers that in her book, The Man in My Backyard. Oh, so, see, I need these books. John, make the best books recommendation list. I, I, I've enjoyed uh, Dick Grove's book, Safe and Sound. Uh, I've enjoyed Shirley Connell's book. Uh, the Man in My Backyard, Sandy P. Shans, Raised on Elvis. Uh, Vester Presley wrote a pretty good down-to-earth book. Uh, Tish Henley has a pretty good book um, with some really great rare photos in there. The Craner book. I just put in Elvis Craner, C-R-A-N-O-R, Elvis Craner. Um, and then there's the Presleyania book, 
uh, by Jerry Osborne and Bob Alanis. Thanks for having me on. All right. Until we meet again. Hey, God bless you. Adios.